Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Was that a little longer than you expected? <laughs> a little longer than I expected. That's all right. <laughs> all right. We are recording digitally today, tonight, today, tonight, tonight, tonight. Um, and this is partially because soon we are going to start uh Doing a recording the stream live on Twitch, actually, we're going to start having a bit of a visual element I'll put together for the episodes. We might therefore stream more, uh, less frequently because I'll need to do a little bit of extra work in order to prep, but otherwise, um, yeah, we're going to be moving the stream to digital that way. When me and Steve meet in person, it is more of a regular hangout. It's more casual and stuff. So we're still going to be doing the podcast and we are, I am still going to be stripping the audio and putting it up on iTunes and Google podcasts and the RSS. So if you listen through the phone and don't want to have to follow through Twitch or whatever, no worries. You'll still get the audio, but as you'll notice with today's episode, I'm also going to stop with the background music for the time being. Um, and might start filling in with some kind of like free stock music. If I can find any, I like that's part of the problem is finding stuff that I like. I mean, I love using video game music in the background. Um, and it does help fill out that sort of like every once in a while when we're talking, there's a little bit of dead air, um, as we try and think of something or we have like big ums or whatever. And I feel like having music helps fill that out. So you don't have to worry about like editing every little gap of space, but there's the legality of it. And while for the most part, I've kind of had this mentality of, well, you know, no one's really paying attention to a little podcast like mine, so I could go ahead and get away with it. Uh, it's, it's still not the right professional thing to do. Um, so I figured no background music for the time being, see if I could find some good, uh, commercial free use or non-commercial use, I should say, since we're not really commercial, um, for the podcast when we do it on Twitch and just go from there. But, and this of course is something that you agreed with too, because we were talking about this together. Um, I brought it up with you and then you said you were thinking something along the same lines, right? Yeah, no, it is always complicated. I know if you were to, like, if you were to put it up on YouTube with, background music you'd probably end up getting flagged mm -hmm. um even or even like putting a clip on facebook or something like that so yeah so it's probably best to not have any kind of copyrighted background music as as nice as it is sometimes yeah well i even meant the whole just moving to twitch in general though oh, oh yeah that moving to twitch thing yeah i think that'll be a lot of fun i think we'll have some good talks and yep. it'll make for good live content um, probably need to do some editing just to kill some dead space when like, oh shoot, we gotta get really focused for a second and kill this boss or whatever. But yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> All right. We're going to have to talk this through more in the future. I was confused. I thought you were like, never mind. Okay. 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 Um, I'm, I am confused. That's right. We're both uh, confused. Nick, if we were doing new segments. Now. If we were doing news segments, that would be a great moment to transition to the fact that the Dead Space is getting a remake, remaster, who knows? Um, I think <laughs> there are details that there. it's more of a like new graphical overhaul, overhaul without a lot of like changes. So, but I haven't seen that information yet. I haven't read through it, but no, um, 
instead we're talking about, I guess, a little bit of what we are playing before talking about, um, I actually watched the four hour Zack Snyder's Justice League before Steve did. And I think we're going to have different uh, reactions, but not in the way that many would predict, maybe. Ooh, yes, um, this could be unpredictable. Now, I've just seen a whole bunch of credits roll on games this past week alone, let alone this month. So you tell me what you've been playing. So after our last podcast, I realized we had mentioned the Ratchet and Clank 2015. 16. Uh, it was The game was 15. The movie was 16. I thought yeah, they were both something. 16. They were the back to back. The copyright like date on the game on the title screen says 2015. Well, that's weird. I, I thought they were both I, 2016. Oh, so did I. I. Either way, the 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 recent Ratchet and Clank remake, not the legend. So I realized I had started that game. I never finished it, but I had watched the movie. So I played that through. Um, got a lot of extra, most of the extra content as well. Actually, I think I did all of the main extra content. Like, I didn't do like like platinum it, but I did quite a bit of of side things, unlocking weapon upgrades and all that. And um, I gotta say, I actually, while while the story is, you know, it's a remake of the original Ratchet and Clank, and it was heavily influenced by the movie. I think it's probably the tightest ratchet and clank game since like tools of destruction on the the ps3 interesting that's kind of my opinion it's funny Um, which was nice oh go ahead i was just gonna say because from my feel because i've never really played that was my first ratchet and clank game and it was a it felt like a weird mixture and i think we discussed it last time because when i remember like my memory of playing it is that it felt it definitely felt better than your typical movie tie-in game, but at the same time, it still felt like this was a game meant on a made on a contract as opposed to made for the sake of like let's let's make a game, let's experiment, let's do something different, let's see what we can do. Um, it felt like a contract game where it's like, okay, here's everything we got, we're just going to assemble it, shove it out the door by a certain deadline. So here's a question: when what did your typical combat encounter look like for you? If you recall it all for in that game. Um, that's asking a lot. Cause that was like, I played that when it came out and I did. Okay, I, yes, I haven't it's, really it's, been back until, it's been like so, about five or six years, but I remember early on, I tried to play it more like a typical shooter and that didn't work. Yes, so I started, uh, I think I jumped around a lot more after a while, um, in order to dodge enemy fire and stuff like that. But I definitely started using the disco ball a lot. I used, yeah, uh, disco ball things like the, the, did that have a sheepinator? Um, the sheepinators comes in pretty late, but yeah. Okay. There's the, the groove, the groovatron is groovatron, oh. uh, uh, doctor, yes. okay, so- doctor robot death. Um, Zircon, Mr. Zircon, Mr. Zircon. Zircon yeah. Okay, so this is this is kind of where, for me, there's a, there's a little bit of nostalgia and a little bit of, so, uh, I've been a big fan of the series like all the way through, you know, uh, I think the first one I played was Up Your Arsenal, or Up whatever, yeah, and then I went back and I played. I mean, I've kept up with the series as it went. Um, it felt a little bit nostalgic and a little bit like. 
each of the subsequent games, like starting with Tools of Destruction, added more stuff, but it sort of made the games a little bit more mechanics heavy. So going back to this one, it was just like, oh, like this just kind of simplified the mechanics again, and the shooting is just, you know, you get into this nice loop of you throw the Groovatron, you make half the enemies dance. Then you, you activate Mr. Zircon, who's going to help thin out the herd. And then you use one of your area of effect attack things that'll hang out for a minute. And then you just start shooting everybody else with buzz blades or something. And I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of like back to basics for Ratchet and Clank. But it felt good. It felt really good to me. No, I could see um, that. Um, I, I could see that because a lot of games as the sequels develop have feature glut. Um, you start to have like, oh, well, we had this in the last game, so we've got to have it in this one. But then we need to have new stuff as well. So by being this sort of uh, rebootish game, you're able to streamline it. You're able to like, OK, we're going to have this, but we're going to remove this and then we're going to remove this. But we're going to include this that was later added. Um, and therefore, you have a much more smooth experience i guess you could say like i i, I could see that um it's interesting because from my perspective the more i see of rift apart the more that looks like the sequel insomniac wants to make if that makes sense like that feels like mm-hmm. this is insomniac making like the ratchet and clank that's a passion project as opposed to this is the ratchet and clank that we're doing because sony wants to make a movie and therefore we have to tie it in yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think also, if I understand correctly, into the or Rift Apart sort of takes the storyline, picks the storyline back up from the the Ratchet and Clank Future series on PS3, where there was some amount of connection between Tools of Destruction, Quest for Booty, Crack in Time, and into the Nexus with basically being like part of it being about ratchet trying to find other lombaxes and like you kind of finally get a hint at that at the end of into the nexus it's been a while and but then it it was sort of like the ending was like all right now we're gonna go and we're gonna find all the other lombaxes or something and then again this is my memory's a little hazy here um but it seems like rift apart is finally like like they're sort of merging the continuities or something where it's a sequel to the ratchet and clank reboot while picking up the threads from the ratchet and clank future series on ps3 so i'm that's uh needs to get played very soon by me (laughs) and you did get yourself that new fancy system yes Um. indeed all right. Um, what else? Anything else? That, that's playing? the big stuff. I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still kind of slogging through Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I am playing, still playing Persona Three. Uh, what else do I got going on? Um, you know, kind of just playing odd matches of Overwatch and Destiny. I was gonna catch up on Avengers. Before the Black Panther expansion comes out, I know you're. That's something you've been super jazzed about. Oh, totally! Is totally. picking up Avengers before the Black Panther expansion comes out. Totally on my so, like top, the top of my wish list. Yeah. So now, have you kept up with? I know you've been like, Death's Door is high on my list. I want to check that out. 
I already beat uh, it. Yeah, I beat it like yeah, a you already few beat days that. after it came out. Yeah, that's. All right, so you've been rolling credits. So what, what have you? What have you beaten this past past couple weeks? Death's Door is probably like one of the only like that's like the only new new game that I've rolled credits okay. on since Resident Evil Village, especially. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually been again just as last time. I've been really bad about finishing games that released this year. Um, but uh, Death's Door. What, and it's funny because I keep looking at these little corners where people are like, yeah, the combat's really not that deep and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, it's n- technically not if you're comparing it to certain things. But at the same time, I feel like people, I think the problem is that the game lets you just stay on the skill floor if you want and roll around there. Whereas if you choose to experiment with the different powers and do other things, like it's never going to be like deep, deep. And there's partially because the design of the game itself kind of prevents that. Like you get these bomb weapons, right? But they don't have much area of effect damage. So there's not much use for them in combat because even if enemies are clustered up, you're not, you're, you're going to damage the guy that you hit and not many others. So why use the bombs in that case? Better to use just a fireball that's upgraded that lights enemies on fire and goes through them and into the other enemies. So, well, um, I guess another my impression is, is like looking at some of the things where some people kind of like my, my reason for wanting to play it is it looks like kind of a, it's slightly like a artsy Zelda sort of game that's maybe a little bit darker in tone. I wouldn't call it, it artsy. Like, it, oh, it's got a great art style, but I wouldn't call it artsy. But I know not artsy. Yeah, but like, I, I couldn't think of the word there. Yeah, but there's a very artistic nature to the 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 look of everything. That's a little bit has this little bit of a darker tone to it. Um, yeah, darker storybook. There's, there's a. There's a hint of soulsishness, maybe, but Very people little. seem to want it to be right. People seem to want it to be like, oh, like this isn't as soulsy as I wanted it to be. When it's really that wasn't what it was trying to do. It was just like taking a drop of that and mixing it in with its like, like you said, like sort of um, dark storybook tone. Yeah. Zelda something. What's actually but, interesting yeah. is because where most of the people are going to get the Dark Souls because you collect souls from enemies. And technically the door, instead of bonfires, you have the doors you go through, which teleport you back to other areas if you want. Um, but you don't lose souls if you die and stuff like that. There's like, and you use those souls, of course, to level up. But th- to me, one of the more... It's like that combination or fusion. Like I like when people mix ideas from different games and figure out this works well with this. And because Dark Souls or Demon Souls, I should say, was inspired from what I understand by Ocarina of Time in a lot of ways, but, you know, so many steps apart, it kind of yeah. makes sense to take elements of the the Dark Souls, Demon Souls world design elements and tie them into a Zelda game. So what you have in... Uh, death's door is both the overworld and the dungeons are arranged. Like the world is more arranged like a separate series of dungeons, like a dark souls or bloodborne or whatever would be. So Mm -hmm. even like the, like there's no like central hub overworld, like you would have in a Zelda game that connects them all. It's 
different areas that are their own dungeons in a sense. And most of them have slightly more open-ended elements to them. Like if you go into a dungeon, you technically have multiple paths. You can start going down, but as you start doing these paths, you also unlock shortcuts and that's where the dark souls element also throws in. Um, so it doesn't feel like you're going through a Zelda dungeon because a Zelda dungeon is usually, even though you can find open-ended ways through them, there's a very set critical path that your average player is going to go through. Death's Door instead is like you have these three or four routes, go in them in whatever order you want, and you'll come back around and you'll still get through the dungeon. Um, which is funny because it means they do a better job of experimenting with more open-endedness in a Zelda game than even Nintendo did when they made A Link Between Worlds or the 3DS. Um, but it's... It's better to compare it to a more combat-focused Zelda game than it is a Souls-like. And for a lot of people, I think that's something... Because how many people make a good Zelda-style game these days? Even in the indie sphere, I don't think you get any that really have that sort of, like, scratch that itch. But, yeah. like, I, I mean, in my mind, like, the joke is... If I were to write a hot takey headline for a big uh, publication, it'd be that Death Store is the best Zelda game to come out in July, which Skyward Sword HD Remaster just came out. So oh, exactly. Man. It's like, oh, burn. And also begging for a flame war in the comment section, you know? Um, nice. I I'm going to have to pick that up. And yeah, I think you'd probably dig it. I Unfortunately... See, I'm trying to remember because there, I don't, I feel like this is a game that even though it's, you know, dark and some dark humor, it's still for the most part family friendly. Aside from there's one moment where like old granny like looks at your character and like cusses at him, like you little, you know, word. And it just like that moment like stood out to me. Cause I was almost sitting there like, man, you know, Steve could probably play this game with his kids. And then that line happens. And it's like, Oh, maybe uh, I not. Mean, my, my kids have seen like every Marvel movie. This is true. So, so it's not like that's gonna, you know, end the world or something like that. True. So. I discuss it with the wife first. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> another one on my list is Chris tail, Chris tails, Chris tails. Yeah. That's on game pass now. Yeah, I just saw I hit Game Pass, so so I've got Death Store and that and Christ Tales on my list. I need some good, I need a good RPG. Um, I've been, I think I've said this before. I've just like, I've got the itch, and just nothing's grabbing me. Yeah, like I could see that Tales of Arise is early in September, but it's like there's a month until then. So I was actually yeah. wondering about Tales of Vesperia on Game Pass, but it depends on if I have the time to finish it up before. Um, I think I think the only Tales game I ever finished was Tales of Zillia. So I could just hit another Tales game. I, I do enjoy... Tales of Zillia needs games. a remaster. Tales of Zillia, because I started playing it on PS3, but I never got around to finishing it, and now my PS3 won't turn on. Um, oh, well, it turns on, but it won't boot up. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> Who knows what same difference. Who knows what to do with that? Um, but yeah, Tales of Zillia uh, was really interesting uh, feeling. Like I remember liking the combat and stuff, but didn't get very far in it. Um, so I would like to see an HD remaster of that uh, from from Bandai Namco. Uh, but Tales That's of Arise cool. is looking good. Um, 
Yeah, that looks really good. I also so need I, to Yeast Nine just dropped on Steam, but I haven't uh picked it up yet because there's oh my goodness, there's like so much stuff. Like I just rolled credits again, like two times in one month or or in a couple of months, Resident Evil Four, because I'm still capturing footage for that. Almost done. Got a script ninety five percent done. Need a little bit more touching up. But it's like, uh, like this, this is the part where like trying to make these videos is like a job, right? It's like, I don't, it's like, I'm done with this game. I'm done playing it. I'm ready to move on, but I got to get still more footage just so I can make sure everything fills out. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, there's, uh, Oh, Oh, and the other thing that I did, so I never, I haven't played from like now it's like two years ago. Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 are both on sale on PSN store right now. And I'm like, do I grab these and just like try and blow through them at some point? But I don't know. Resident Evil 2 remake, I could still vouch for. Like, actually, in order to get some footage, I started playing that. Um, And if it weren't for the fact that I had to go somewhere, I would have actually kept on playing it. And I'm not going to keep playing it. I got the footage that I need for what I need. But it's like, yeah, I could vouch for that still being a good game. Um, Resident Evil 3, uh, the remake is, I mean, it's not bad, but. It looks like it's super short. I get I get like enticed by something and I'm like, I can finish this in six hours. Like, oh, like I can get that feeling of accomplishment of yeah. a video game. Unlike Resident Evil 2 remake, you don't have to play both campaigns to technically get the full ending. Um, to get the full yeah. experience, so to speak. Um, so yeah, Resident Evil Three is shorter in that regard, but uh, I don't know. There's something there's something about it that's just weaker. It's still a good game, but it's like I unlike Resident Evil Two remake, well, I don't have much desire to go back to Resident Evil Three remake. Well, I mean, Resident Evil Two was a better game than Resident Evil Three, I think. Oh, that's so. probably asking for fighting words from somebody. I be, I, guarantee sure you, I guarantee you. I guarantee From from my experience, I I like, yeah, Resident Evil Two, the original. I went back. I played both campaigns. I had a lot of fun with it. I did a lot of like more exploring. Resident Evil Three is one I think I burned through, and never really thought about it again. So, yeah, that's it, uh, take that for what it is. It had but, its own replay value, but it's another thing. I never actually played Nemesis. This is only from me going back and watching people critique and analyze and do deep dives on it. It has its own replay value, but they didn't really go into it's just like the zap system with Resident Evil 2, right? The Resident Evil 2 remake, yeah. they didn't do the zap system because we're in a new age of high fidelity game development. That's a lot of extra work to do um, compared to what it was back then. So. I mean, we're also talking like that game, what, like after a year had to reboot development like from scratch and then was able to be made in a year, like Resident Evil 2. So it's, yeah, we're definitely not in that point of uh, game development anymore. No, definitely not. So anyway, we should probably talk about. um, Yeah, well, there's uh, there's there's one more one more thing I wanted to touch on, which is. I'm hoping to get a friend on maybe next week for a spoiler podcast. I don't know. Uh, she she might be getting a bit of stage fright from the idea. Um, she was afraid of sounding like an idiot on the uh, podcast. And it's like, yeah, you should listen to like, us talk. Um, <laughs> you should listen to Steve talk. He sounds like an idiot every week. But um, 
AI the Somnium Files or I the Somnium Files. I want to talk with her about that because I just beat it. Um, I wanted to beat it before I started the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, um, which is the new, of course, Phoenix Wright game, which is probably why I'm not going to do a JRPG anytime soon. But that... So it's by the creator of Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, Virtue's Last Reward, like all the nonary games and all that stuff. And it's his best work, I think. And all I'm going to say right now, even though it's technically a bit of a spoiler, is I appreciate how some of these... I The thing I appreciate about Japanese games and Japanese media in general is you can have these dark stories. And this is something that like throws some people off. You can have these dark stories with this like twisted stuff going on, but still have this jovial levity. It's like you can have the seriousness of a DC movie with the jo- jovial humor of a Marvel movie, right? You can have this sort of uh, right. balance, but then you even go further than a Marvel movie would ever dare. Cause yeah. remember how Bayonetta ends in a dance number for the credits? Yeah. I, the Somnium Files, kicks it up a notch. And we're talking about like a murder mystery game where people yeah, die yeah, brutal deaths. Yeah, that seems a little bit more like the Bayonetta, the whole tone was very like, self aware, very cheeky, yeah. one might say. Yeah, but I could see with something like I haven't, I've, I've seen like some really very not familiar with I, the Somnium Files, but I'm get the impression the tone is darker or even imagining um having played like virtue's last reward like imagining that ending in a bayonetta style dance number seems you know a little bit but the yeah. great thing about it is like both of those endings aside from just being happy like they communicate this feeling from the development team that makes you believe they loved working on the game and that's something that I, I don't get that same feeling outside of Japanese games. Like, this is going even as far back as I remember Super Mario RPG ending with a parade, right? I remember mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger, when you get the true ending, having, you know, Chrono and Marl fly around the planet and everything. You have all these unique sprites and stuff. Like, this, th- these ways they end the game where it's like... If you, the developers not only cared about the game, but they loved working on it and they want to convey that in the conclusion and they want you to join in. And like when they say thanks for playing, it feels genuine. Like, thank you for playing this thing that we labored. That was a labor of love for us to work on. And I, the Sound yeah. Files had that and boy, did it deserve it. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cause like thinking about some of those old JRPGs, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy Four is one that stands out to me too. With the, um, I just always love that the ending of that, the music and the whole the whole dig. But yeah, that's interesting. You're almost gonna tempt me to play this, but I can't be tempted because I need to play the other stuff. I said Death Store, Christ Tales. Yeah, Death Store is not too long. I got beat it in twelve. I one hundred percented it in twelve hours. Um, oh, nice. That sounds actually, like it's right up. That's actually right. a nice contrast because there is more to the game after the initial credits roll. I got the 100% and then it's it's like like whatever that he, reward for 100% was, it's like 100% is the reward because they sure didn't give one. Um, which is a, like the one letdown I would say about the game, but 
Uh, otherwise, I mean, just getting to 100% was actually really fun because again, post credits, you, there are no hints, right? Like you, you have this structured order of which dungeon to go in, but then after, like after those credits roll and there's still more you can do, there's no, like, like there's one hint for you to start at and then it's up to you to figure out where that goes and then what to do from there. And that's actually one of the reasons that I really ended up coming away from the game feeling so positive about it. Because um, even though, you know, again, when you do 100% it, and it's just bleh, it's still, as a whole package, a good, solid product. A good, solid game, I should say. I don't want to just call it a product. But Nice. Yeah, What's what platforms is that on? Right now, that's yeah. only PC and Xbox. I okay. don't know why it's got that sort of exclusivity to it, um, but it will probably come to PlayStation and Switch in the future. I have no doubt. Okay, well, I'll grab it on Xbox. But yeah, which will be it should be nice because I have my my like secret Xbox for my own private gaming secret Xbox. Secret. What was uh, that? Was J- Jimmy Gaffigan? Was that from any? I don't know. I was thinking, I was actually about to go with with secret tunnel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just made a reference to that yesterday in my mind. You went a different way, and I just kind of like tried to was that go, with, go with the flow there. I had secret tunnel in my head today or yesterday. I don't even remember why. Anyway, it's one of those. It's one of our like house memes now. Where <laughs> like anytime anything is secret, like one of my kids will sing. You know, like. Secret candy, secret <laughs> candy, or whatever it is. Um, so excellent. All right, we're thirty minutes in, which means it's time for us to start talking about Justice League, Justice the four-hour edition, the Snyder Cut. Now, I want to specify. It's like it's actually you say the Snyder Cut. It's like the Snyder Uncut. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Snyder remix because there's new stuff in there as well that really doesn't belong. They they should have just stuck with original footage and nothing new. But right. um, I'm gonna like just preface because like when I had Seamus Young on here, we were talking about Batman, and he was talking about Justice League. I think I was wondering, it's like what what is it? What what does it come off to? Because everyone that I know that's seen it had also seen the original Justice, the the Whedon cut of Justice League. I should say Warner Brothers cut, honestly, of Justice League. And I'd only seen like some clips usually of the end and it always looked like a disaster and a mess. So I avoided it. And so my first time really watching the movie was watching it on HBO Max, um, and at most of it I watched with my old man. And my old man had watched the Whedon Cut on TV several times, HB at regular HBO, or when it shows up on TNT and stuff, because these things get like put on network television real quick these days. But it was interesting because I asked him, you know, during the course of uh, the three days we watched, I asked him, it's like, so how much of that was in the original movie? And he's like, it, it's almost a completely different thing. He's like, there's very little of it that was in that original movie. Like, there's stuff that's different. There's stuff that's this, this. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's almost a completely different movie. And I find that fascinating. So, so my, I don't say, I've seen the original twice. I, again, I also watched the, the Snyder Cut over three days. So, 
this is my impression of what um, Whedon was trying to do with the movie. He was taking somebody else's movie that was a Zack Snyder movie trying to do a lot of things. And obviously then this four-hour cut includes more footage that was filmed. And he was trying to turn it into a really straightforward three-act sort of screenplay where, you know, you have Steppenwolf shows up. There's the Steppenwolf, you know, defeats the Amazons, defeats the Atlanteans, defeats the humans, kind of. He, um, the Justice League forms loosely. Bat- the second party of Batman is sort of forming the Justice League. They lose, so they decide to bring Superman back. And then once they bring Superman back, that sort of takes us into the third act, where, well, after Superman is maybe questionable for a moment, where they all unite as one to defeat Steppenwolf. Um, What I think the Snyder Cut did that was good was... Steppenwolf is super generic in the original one. He's just like, I'm evil, and I'm powerful, and the end. And it's not um, like he's deep in the Snyder Cut either. He's not really deep. He's so much deeper. Because the Snyder Cut, you get two ends of him. <laughs> he's not no, really you... deep, but he's so much deeper. That kind of speaks so badly of the original cut. Oh, my right. goodness. So what, what the Snyder Cut did with Steppenwolf that was different was it it gives him vulnerability that he's this to everyone he encounters in the first three until he basically, until he's up against Superman, he is, Oh, he overpowers everyone. Nobody stands a chance. You know, the Amazons are established as great warriors and he just wrecks like dozens of them. No problem. Like it's not even an issue. Um, but then he's afraid of Darkseid, and he's, like, groveling in front of Darkseid. So you, I think it is at least some degree of development that wasn't there before where where Darkseid has, has the other end of him. So it's not just at the end where, like, um, you get, you know, the original cut, spoilers, he, like, gets killed by his, the own, his own parademons or whatever. Um, which that part's kind of dumb in the original in hindsight. Um, the other thing that gets expanded a lot is Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg, yeah. his whole family dynamic, his I've whole thing. Lo- I had heard a lot about that because, and honestly, I'm going to be honest, I have mixed feelings about the character even in the end result. Um, yeah. But I, I did safe, like, that's what I heard, though. Like, a lot of people, you know, basically, like, the basic reaction I saw from people was he's a character now. And yeah. that that's kind of interesting uh, to hear that he, he, he got like the short end of the sick evidently. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to this whole cinematic universe building thing where I think Whedon didn't know how to approach the film without having the groundwork laid on these characters. Um, So whatever reshoots he did, whatever, you know, editing, whatever he was responsible for there, I think he was happy to give Cyborg some screen time and give Flash some screen time, but that was about it. 
where the Snyder Cut gives you more development on on Flash, gives you more development on Cyborg and his family and his father. And I think if I were if I were making my perfect cut, I think it would actually be more of the Whedon cut than the Snyder cut, but it would include the extended development of 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 Cyborg, Steppenwolf, and Flash, and it would use the we the Snyder cut ending up through like the first half of the epilogue. So this is interesting is, because see there were there are cuts I would make in the current Snyder cut, but most of it is the stuff that he added later, especially the tacked on ending stuff. Especially, the tacked on and like, and you I, can tell was, you can tell when you hit that tacked on because like. The tone of it changes. The quality of the dialogue changes. And I was, I was actually feeling really positive going into the ending because I thought that Snyder's ending was that much better than the WB Whedon cut. You and should just call it theatrical it, cut. The yeah. Then it gets to, it gets halfway through the epilogue, and I'm like, oh no. This is this is terrible. This is exactly like the little bits of self indulgence that popped up throughout yeah. the cut and were just like full on. So yeah, I, I I mean for me the ending is definitely where it feels like everything that tacked on ending right because the original mm-hmm. ending you're right is perfect but the tacked on ending feels like everything anyone has ever criticized Snyder of. My like in terms of writing, at least, is just right there on full display. It's just in your face. I don't even don't no no no. Don't even get <laughs> that kind of self indulgent. But <laughs> sorry, that is. And that's the thing, um, though. I I think to that regard, I feel like in a lot of ways, Justice League is actually the best of Zack Snyder, which might sound odd to say, but this is a guy who I remember being in my film arts class. Right. And my professor, um, when he was talking about, we were about to watch the searchers with John Wayne, which is considered one of those like major classic films of old Hollywood, you know, and one of the last, I think one of the last Westerns before Westerns completely like fell out of style. I mean, again, it was John Wayne, and it's one of his most remembered roles. And my film arts professor himself was surprised because he he said, like, this is a film that Zack Snyder said he goes back to whenever you want some kind of a mental film reset. He'll always go back to that movie. And that's the the thing about Snyder that I think that goes underappreciated – Because like Michael Bay, I think he's a guy that likes good stuff and has an idea of what makes certain things good, but can't explain it. He can't like, he can't either, he can't logically define it. And this is also a guy that, you know, like even stated, and a lot of people hold this against him, but I understand he didn't really like the DC Marvel comics growing up because he had heavy metal magazine, heavy metal magazine had a very different audience and was often yeah. technically more 
I mean, I don't know, because it's more pulpy. Therefore, you have stuff that's like not really deep. It's just, you know, boobs and violence. But then you have stuff that is more interesting ideas. Whereas, and yeah, from that perspective, if you grew up reading Heavy Metal Magazine, then looking at DC Marvel, you're going to be like, man, that's child's play. And yet, to bring this around, most of Justice League, what it makes me think of and what I, why I think I liked it is... Even though it's a superhero film, it felt like an epic film in the way that we do not get anymore. And even Ridley Scott fails to mm. really do. Like, as we noted, like, um, I think in June, like, I watched Lawrence of Arabia recently. And a few years ago, I watched Seven Samurai for the first time. And these are not short movies. These are lengthy movies. Uh, multiple hours, but that's the thing. They take their time. And Seven Samurai in, partic Samurai in particular came to mind because it takes its time to introduce the characters. And that's what Justice League does. Because these characters couldn't all get their own movie, it takes its time establishing the characters, who they are, what they want. It takes its time establishing the villain and all this stuff. And it's funny because the very beginning of the movie, I was already kind of like, oh God, it's Snyder. Do I really want to watch this? Because I don't know what it was about it, but like opening up with this slow-mo scream of Superman activating all these things that I'm like, yeah. man, what are these things? I don't even know what these cubes are. Am I supposed to know? Do I need to go back and rewatch Batman versus Superman? I really don't want to do that. I really do not want to expose myself to those that movie again. And so I had this really negative initial response. But yeah, the by the time Steppenwolf was trashing the the uh, this is going to sound terrible now that I think about it. By time Steppenwolf is trashing all the Amazonian women, uh, <laughs> that's when I was like, man, I'm really into this. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that too. The the I find the opening oh, to be I'm so hard. That was one of those parts that was like overly weak and drawn out and they, they do come back and reference it later in the movie um but it's also just one of these logical connections that doesn't necessarily have much logic to it like the mother boxes were not to get to the two spoilers so the mother boxes were waiting for superman to die to activate but like superman's only been on the planet for like 20 years or something like so like why didn't they activate? is that the explanation because i thought it was just something about his epic scream that did it i don't i i, I see again like yeah, there's this whole the cyborg has this whole operator oh they feared they fear him like that's why we need him that's why they never activated before um or something, something along those lines. And it's but, like, well, wait, but like, it's like Superman hasn't been here forever. He hasn't been here very long, yeah. actually. Yeah, not, very, not, not in the grand that, scheme like, of history. Yeah. It's... Zeus and Ares were there when, you know, they were battling them originally. And I, um, I okay, that's one moment that I, I couldn't help but sit. I, I was starting to kind of like fall asleep. It's like, okay, yeah. Big epic crossover of United. Like that's when I started to fall asleep. Like I, but I think uh, part of it's because like 
I I don't know. I'm too old to like buy into this. Like everybody was once unified once upon a time with gods and green lanterns and all this other stuff. And it's, it's, it's that area of, I guess, I don't know, like movies or even DC comics. Cause it's like, eh, yeah. I, I, I like, I get it. Cause well, all right. So here's what I'm getting from this movie thematically. And you can laugh at me or something. So, you have three mother boxes, right, that need to come together in unity to destroy the earth with anti-life, right? Yeah. But then you've got essentially the three races of the earth, the Amazonians, the Atlanteans, and the humans, who need to come together in unity to prevent the anti-life. So it's like the life, the three different things. And then when Cyborg has his, has his like, spoilers. I think, I think at this point we're just kind of in spoilers. Cyborg sort of has the vision of the unity as father, mother, and son in the same way that the Atlantean, Amazonian human imagery is in some ways father, mother, and son and and so like i feel like there's i'm some kind of imagery there i'm see that's uh, again that's where in in that big fight the big fight in the ending fight in certain aspects of the movie throughout um there's even like one of the chapters is named like beloved what was it something mother beloved son like something like that yeah yeah, there there was definitely, and it's very Zack Snyder. Like he was try. There's this, if you dig enough, if you like get a little bit over the top with your analysis, there's definitely these oh, no, themes. No, no, no. It's always that no. you can dig out of of the movie about Yeah. See, this is where again, like Zack Zack Snyder really needs a good script writer to basically like okay here's where our idea here's where your ideas are stupid and we're going to ignore them but here's where your ideas are good and I'm going to help Martian Manhunter <laughs> no no you're right you're completely right about that and that's clearly I've read about it that's one of the things that was added in this film so it makes yeah. Yeah. but no like I'm I'm even talking going back to like because Sucker Punch as much as people like to deride that movie right. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that it's going to always have a cult following for a lot of reasons. It's definitely got a cult feel to it. But that movie has ideas that it's trying to go for. It just needed someone that actually knew how to write, to write the script. And I actually appreciate some of the ideas in that movie more. The older that I get, the more I understand about trauma and and other things like in psychology that like there's some really interesting ideas in that that actually relate to real life experiences of trauma that are like kind of deep and sad um but Zack Snyder sort of you know Zack Snyder all over the place <laughs> yeah so but that's the thing. Like I, that is a movie I definitely appreciate, but that, that, that's like even men of steel. I have appreciation for, even if 
it was a bit of, and I understand where it's like, this isn't a Superman movie, right? I understand where people don't like it as a Superman movie, uh, but I appreciate what he wanted to do. And Batman versus Superman, again, like if they didn't make it Batman versus Superman, if it was Batman versus Lex Luthor, who we know in the comics made himself a suit. So you could still yes. have that big fight at the end and you wouldn't have to have the whole, how do you know that name? You wouldn't have to have that in there. Right. Um, yeah. Or why did you say that? I don't know what he did, but it's like that movie had its big, like, you know, man versus God element to it. Like he does want to deal with big ideas. And I feel like this movie was, and, and it's, it's like third time's a charm, right? This movie, whoever he wrote the script with, whoever he worked with, that Snyder cut is, it's like, this is what Snyder can be when he's got the right team. And yeah, it's got the overly indulgent slow-mo at a lot of points. And it's got some other issues going on as well. But dude, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, Even my brother was interested and he's checked out of superheroes. He's done. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to watch these movies anymore. He doesn't really want to watch anything new Hollywood. He wants to go back to like the 80s, the 70s, the 50s, 40s, 30s. He wants to go back to silent yeah. film because that to him, that's new. That's refreshing. That's different. And, you know, he, you know, was sitting there watching this. And that's the thing. Like, I could have watched this movie in a single sitting. And still been entertained. Yeah, and I agree. I, if, if, yeah, because that's the thing. Like, I, I actually want to. I want to go back and watch it start to when it's supposed to end, and then like just back out, back out. Don't even watch the added crap. Um, like yeah, the the, the final epilogue. Yeah, it's no, like a, I, I, the three hour fifty minute cut. Let's say. <laughs> I, I I I mostly agree. Yeah, I think. I think what what kind of thinking more about it is what this what this movie does that the, I think probably the best part of this movie is so I think about a movie like um and just pick any MCU film mm -hmm. like um okay Infinity War all right so Infinity War to me is is a movie about leadership. It's a movie about good leadership, essentially. That that each of these people that's leaders, like, they're putting themselves on the line constantly through the film. That, you know, when, uh, when Captain America and Black Panther lead the armies of Wakanda against the Outriders... You know, they're not, they're not like back at the base, you know, directing troops. They're literally racing each other to see who can get to the front lines to engage the enemy first. So and all like, because they have plot armor, because in reality, it's like, right. that's well, a that, good way yeah. to get killed. That's yes, a good way to get, get solved. They have death. some plot armor. You know, Thor, in order to forge the only weapon that's capable of defeating Thanos you know, basically, like, just, you know, eats, like, puts his life on the line to get blasted by a star to hold on to this thing to keep it going. All this other, but, 
so like there's there's like some themes and some examples, but I don't think there's not this strong sense of of symbolism and of really like this sort of deep craft that I think Snyder gets into in this movie um, that I do think makes it interesting where, where it fails in some ways of being overly indulgent in some of the, the timing and some of the additions and some of the other things it, it's trying to do things with the, with the imagery, with the, the all a lot of this thematic stuff that I don't think anyone's really doing in this this space right now, and that's maybe one of the the thing that makes it most interesting. And honestly, that's one of the things that I was because I heard some people make jokes and light about like, is this going to start people talking about like the Fantastic Four, right? Where we know the latter half of that film is basically completely di- like it was all reshoots. You could tell because what yeah. the the one actress's wig, right? Um, mm-hmm. What is her name? No, Kristen Wig is a completely different actress. I can't remember her name. <laughs> um, it's a whole wig thing that gets me. But no, like people are wondering, and I would love to see that. I would love to see the Josh Trank cut of Fantastic Four. We're probably never going to see it. But I'd love to, I would love to. But at the same time, that's not what I'm wondering. I'm wondering in, the, in this day day and age of streaming, we're streaming video services, especially in a post COVID world where the box office is still struggling to meet those same numbers. Like, okay, yeah, Black Widow did well for a post COVID movie. Its first weekend at the box office, it hasn't met. It, it had a huge drop off after. Um, and that's because people aren't going to the theaters right now. Part of it's because it's still COVID. Some of it's just because, you know, I think people, and especially me, right? Like I used to go to the movie theaters all the time. That used to be the preferred experience. And now it's like, I don't feel like going to the movies where other people are going to be talking and making noise and making a ruckus and other crap and ruining the experience for me. Like if I can rent a movie theater to see Dune in theaters, I will. But otherwise, I have no interest in going back to the movie theater right now. That's and, that's kind of. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I say that's kind of why I have always loved midnight, the midnight opening vibe. Um, I feel like if you go to see a movie at a, you know Saturday matinee or something like that, the theater is predominantly filled with people who want to. St- see a movie to have something to do if you not even just are, that not even just that um you're talking well, about the midnight at, right no no something yeah something uh, at the matinee matinee okay people, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the people are there are just people who want to go see a movie to have something to do you go to a midnight showing and it is people who are are committed to seeing this movie or whatever it is thursday you know so eleven fifty nine or you know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. moved them earlier, but these are the people who are committed, who are into the movie, who you know are going to. If they're causing a ruckus, it's because they're they cheering. Are, yeah, they're cheering for the movie. They're clapping for the movie. The other stuff where that's the people I want to go. I want to be in the theater with. 
It's I not like so many experiences, especially my worst seeing Cloverfield and someone's on the phone, like on the phone during the movie. Yeah. And that was my worst experience, but I've had, I've had some awful experiences at the movie theater, man. And yeah. I, it became more and more regular as time progressed. So yeah. Um, but to get back to my point, what I'm wondering is, can we be with a four hour length of justice league? Can we see a return to that film epic? And I know that, like, that's the funny thing because people will actually call back to Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven and stuff, but there's something missing. Like, there's a negative. Like, Ridley Scott's got two things going for him. One of which is he's honestly got a very, he thinks it's very intelligent perspective of religion and faith, and yet it's actually very juvenile. Um, Mm. And maybe this is my own bias shining through, but he, he, and I, and I see it in Prometheus. I see it in a, even alien covenant. He keeps trying to have these very, and this is like true of so much of Hollywood. They have these very ham fisty, like, Oh, this is like such a deep commentary on the religion of Christianity and this and that. And it's like, dude, no, it's not. No, it's not. Anyone that actually has read the has read the Bible beginning to end can figure that this crap crap out is like just juvenile like wanking, like mental wanking. But yeah. um then that's the thing. Like Ridley well, Scott throws that into so many of his movies that he can't do like the closest he ever got was the gladiator in recent memory. Hmm. And it's been like, cause a lot of people will say kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven though, is such a negative movie. So it's, and it is for some people it'll feel uplifting, but it, no, it's like so negative. And even something like Lawrence of Arabia, even though it deals with some negative material, Lawrence himself is a larger than life hero character. And that's the thing with, justice league we get that time taken like seven samurai you get that time to develop the characters and to develop those different uh themes those thematic elements because you're right unity is a big part of it and what kind of unity um as well because there's like you could probably draw all kinds of contrast between you know the the subservience of steppenwolf to um dark seed or dark side rather versus the equality of the justice league where they're all different but they're all equal um you can make comparisons to that even with like superman strength right everyone still has a purpose and everything so you don't have the hierarchy like you've got in the the villain side um you can make those comparisons, do those deep dives into the thematic elements of it, and yet it doesn't come away as this nihilistic perspective or this pessimistic perspective. It's optimistic in the end, which is kind of the irony because what's one of the big things people would critique about DC movies versus Marvel? It's that the, Mar the DC movies were so dark and trying to do this. And that's the thing, though. This Justice League... Completely forget the Batman from the last movie who killed people. This feels more appropriate for a Batman. Like this, uh, this movie is like, oh wow! Yeah. If only Ben Affleck was allowed to actually be Batman in the last movie. 
We no, have actually I, a pretty good Batman. I, I completely agree. Batman. So that's a Batman was so much better in Justice League, and the there are the specifically in the ending. I appreciate if you haven't you haven't seen the original, but they they let Batman be a lot more useful in the Snyder cut than he was. It was almost like a joke in the Whedon cut that like he's Batman, got no superpowers. Yeah, it was just sort of well, it's sort of like his once the once the whatever Batmobile thing gets destroyed. He kind of like hides in a corner and gets one of the, he gets one of their guns and he's hiding in a corner like picking people off and then he runs out of ammo and he's just sort of like oh what am I gonna do now it's like I'm Batman <laughs> and there's a bunch of incredibly powerful demi humans running around. What do you have gods, that utility but... belt for? Aren't you supposed to <laughs> yeah. always be prepared? Uh... <laughs> no, but, I can see anyway, that. No, no, but like the the Batman character in Justice League is that's the batman i like um that and yeah i I agree too like ben affleck i think ben affleck really does do a a good job um with that i'm actually looking forward to flashpoint at this at this point um which i think the thing is by then it's it's going to be a complete because i feel like this is one of the things that makes me very curious because it is the Snyder cut Zack Snyder with minimal Warner brothers interference. And if that's the case, what can we, well, man of steel is probably minimal Warner brothers interference as well. Batman versus Superman is the one that's in question. How much of that was Warner brothers? Cause again, like I can't help but wonder if that was supposed to be a Superman, like, like a man of steel sequel. And then was forced mm. into Batman versus Superman, but sometimes I've had this feeling, and then oh no, it was the original idea by Snyder to be Batman versus Superman, and even if you know, like I just think about the themes of the film, and I think about Lex Luthor walking down the street, seeing the building get wrecked by Superman, and having that vendetta, right? And it fits mm-hmm. so much better with the themes of the film. It fits so much better than this idea of a weird Jesse Isaac like. I like Jesse Eisenberg. And if his name was something other than Lex Luthor, he'd be, he he would be a good villain. The problem is that his name is Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. Um, and that's the problem because I, I'm no, again, especially I, I'm the least familiar with some of the Superman stuff. Um, some of the DC stuff, because I'm not really a big DC fan outside of Batman. But, Jesse Eisenberg was not a good Lex Luthor. So I'm going to say he's not in the traditional sense. So I think the. The. Oh, shoot. What's the villain? Oh, what's what's the little villain whose name you got to say backwards to banish him or something? Mr. Mixapiclick. You know what? If he was some kind of new incarnation of that, it would he would be phenomenal. So here's here's my thing with with Lex Luthor. I think what and here you know I was coming in all negative on this and I've completely turned positive. Um, so the how would you say this? I think the the traditional Lex Luthor is supposed to be like this ultimate alpha male, 
you know, he's rich. He does all this stuff. Like, have you read All Star Superman? Oh, of course not. As I said, I don't, the only DC okay, I've really okay, got. Stop. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like uh, send me emailing me your address. I'm gonna have Amazon ship you a copy <laughs> of All Star Superman, um, so you can read that. I'm gonna overnight it so you can read it tomorrow. <laughs> um, anyway, but so there's this whole big thing. Like I love this. There's this whole. Wait, you have my address already. You've been here for a fire. Yeah, I know, but like I okay, for for a bonfire, I should specify, and not of yeah, anyway, not of yeah. not of like setting space. the house on fire for insurance exactly, um, <laughs> not for arson. So, <laughs> so so no, he's there's like he has this whole speech about like to Clark Kent, and he's telling Clark Kent about how like oh you slouch so much and you have this gut and you look terrible and like you're basically the speech is like you're such a beta i'm such an alpha and that's the problem with superman is i'm the greatest alpha male who ever lived but i can't compete with this stupid alien who's like so much more alpha than me um i think a lot of the older depictions of lex luther that's sort of the He's this captain of industry and this charismatic, virile man who's threatened by this alien who does everything better than he does. Where I think the Eisenberg Luther is more taken from our modern billionaire villains, if you will. It's it's this more of a Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos... Um, I mean, let's just go right to the social network where he played Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, Zuckerberg, right? Where, where, where? I think Snyder was maybe even specifically thinking of of Eisenberg in the social network, like Zuckerberg was pulling. Uh, oh no, you mean Jesse Eisenberg? It's, okay, right? Yeah, that he was pulling more for. He's trying to recreate Lex Luthor for the sort of the. The 21st century billionaire and not the, you know, early 20th century billionaire, not this Rockefeller billionaire more type. like, yeah, yeah, but this, but this Zuckerberg type of possibly of modern and, and maybe I still, there's... I still, again, like I still think, and that's the funny thing. I still think even Ben Affleck would have been great in that role as the Lex Luthor that is the wealthy businessman walking down the street and sees his building get blown up and is now ha- now has this like man versus God mentality and that he needs to go and he needs to kill God. See, I think if, 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 if Affleck, I would see Affleck as being more like a Trump. Oh type. my gosh. <laughs> don't, don't tell me I'm wrong because that's, that's exactly what I don't even want to get into any of that because I have no idea how much baggage that's going to carry. But anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, so I think that, I think at the very least, Justice League is worth the month of HBO Max that you need to watch it. I can see that. You can also watch the original Space Jam, not the new one, the original. Don't Why would you one. do that too? Watch um, the original. Don't watch either. Well, you have your month of HBO. Don't Max. watch either one. Get your month of HBO. And maybe I mean maybe we'll have to report on the new Suicide Squad because I'm kind of curious. But then I saw the trailer where it's like all this big like 
town destroying destruction and it's just the first trailer was was so good and it it had that same tone to me as again like for me james gunn my first introduction to him was the early aughts with the specials and Mm -hmm. that is the movie about the world's 11th or 12th greatest superhero team and they were just getting their action figures and their action figures are terrible. And it's all kinds of other... Like, they don't actually fight any, like, supervillains or anything. It's all interpersonal drama and stuff, but it's a great comedy. It's hilarious. And it's, like, just... And that's part of the joke. It's like they're the 11th or 12th greatest superhero team in the world. Right? So, in other yeah. words, they're not that great at all. Um, and it's... Like, that was my introduction to, to, to James Gunn. And then, like, Slither was also gross but funny. So, uh, like, Guardians of the Galaxy felt like a perfect fit. But at the same time, that first trailer of Suicide Squad felt like James Gunn going back to that dark humor of specials and Slither. Um, it felt more like that. And then the latest trailer where it's got, like, all the big, like, again, like, this whole, like, it it looks like abandoned town, but it's like, we got to go big or go home. And it's like, man, just go home. Let's go home. Like, just, let's make it personal. Let's make it smaller scale. We don't need to be huge. Like, that's another one of those things. Like, you go back and you watch some of the older film, like, these older, great older films. Where does Terminator 2, one of the greatest action films of all time, end? Like uh, a, a smelting factory or whatever. Like, why does everything have to be this huge thing? Like, I don't know. You yeah. know, it was like that is in highlight. Like, it's such a that's such like a great that whole final sequence in that whatever it is where they're melting iron and stuff. Like, they make such good use of it's like. It's like the the there's the modern guys just have no like inspiration or something. Well, it's either like, that or not... it's the studio mandates. Like the studios was... think people will get bored. Like and this is the sa- tragedy of it too. Because where did Iron Man? Where did the last fight in Iron Man take place? The street in front of the Stark building, but that's it. And then that's the rooftop. It's like at some point in the second way after the original Avengers, right? After the original Avengers, you always needed like a whole city needed to be in danger. And then it had to be like the, or a continent or a planet. And it's like, you know, it'd be nice to go back to the smaller scale Ninja Turtles, right? The original Ninja Turtles movie was great. And what happened? It was a fight on a rooftop. And Shredder fell in a garbage truck. Like, like let's get back to the emotion of it yeah there's emotional stakes it wasn't it wasn't just like yeah we're in a flying aircraft carrier with lasers that are gonna blow up every superhero in the world or something like yeah no i i I, uh i definitely it's like there's a reason again, like to go to call back to the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie. There's a reason in my mind it still sticks 
where, you know, Leonardo's really angry. Leonardo, the one that keeps the cool head, is really angry. You lie! And Shredder's like, do I? Like, because it's emotional, the stakes. And then you understand, like, everyone throws their weapons. And then when you see, like, Splinter at the top, you're like, yay, it's Splinter! And you see he's got the nunchuck, and you're like, oh! Like, it's it's emotion, man. It's character. Yeah. It's, 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 you don't need to have, like, random schmuck number five like in danger kind of a thing. So I don't, I don't know. Even, you know what? Marvel Spider-Man even like, well, not Marvel Spider-Man. Um, I just rewatched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. You could still probably find oh, yeah. the, the post I made about, uh, what, what did I title it on my blog? Uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man is a Spider-Man film by Sam Raimi. Um, the best way I can describe it, but it's like the, 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 like, e even after the whole, like who, like the telltale choice of who will you, who, who will you save Spider-Man? Um, at the very end, like it's, it's a, it's a private fight of just green gob green goblin and Spider-Man, nothing else. And it's like, man, remember when you could have emotional stakes like this? You didn't have to have like the huge city wide everything. And it didn't have to. Yeah, it didn't have to be a, a massive set piece. Like, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I'm just curious to see, especially with because that's the thing. Like, I feel like with a lot of I mean, streaming films, they're well, not. Exactly what I was gonna say is it's not just the streaming films. I think stuff like have, you haven't seen Loki, have you? Nope. All right. So my really quick analysis, like Marvel still needs to learn to stick the landings on these things. But even just like the the show, the show format, the short, like I would be perfectly fine. I was saying this to somebody else the other day. If Marvel stopped making movies and started making just Disney Plus series with somewhere between six to eight, nine episodes per season. And honestly, I think we would all be better off if they just, instead of releasing a new movie every six months, they release another one of these series every six months because the, the longer form storytelling, the slow buildup, the character development, the, the, you know, putting stakes in, minor characters and other things like it's so much better than this like how do we cram our sequel setup our you know check all these boxes our mcu connection and everything else into this two-hour movie um i don't know there's got to be a better way did you guys pay the 30 dollars premium to rent black widow we did. I figured you would. My parents did too. It's funny because in my in my mind, it's just like, why would you do that when you could just wait like two or three months to like rent it for five bucks off Amazon? It's a good question. There you go. I just gave you something to think about. Did do you, give me something to think do about. you need to see it now, today? Was it even worth 30 bucks compared to five bucks? I mean... <laughs> that that's all you no, need to say. I, that's yes, all you need to say. No, that's all you need to any, say. What is anything? What is anything worth? If all like, if if your if your response is, I mean, then that that says everything. 
We here's uh, here's that's the deal. Okay, okay. We I want to say it, I don't want, instead of I don't want to how this instead of paying twelve dollars per ticket to go watch it. I know, I know, I know. I know. Dis, disinterested teenagers, and then pay like ten dollars for a bucket of popcorn. If that's we, all like, you're getting, too, yeah. Drank wine, sat in our living room, watched it over the course of two nights because we're old people. Huh. Um, and you know that was actually like nice. And then no, there's I no could, stress I about it. Like there's no stress about it either. Like you, if you do the rental, usually, typically, once you start it, you've got 24 hours to finish it. Yeah. So like, but so like, if you want to watch it over two nights and not watch it right away, it's like you could get yourself in trouble if like night two you're like, oh crap, we like we're we're not going to watch it tonight or something like that. I don't know. So in that sense, yes, the thirty dollars was worth it. No, I I understand. I'm just giving you a rough time. I mean, I again, I my personal feelings towards the movie are just I don't really care. But that's my feelings towards all Marvel it movies right now. Oh gosh, no! I'm not going to pay thirty dollars to rent it. My parents did. Yeah, uh, but like my oh no no my sister um, did, and we get to share the Disney Plus account. Therefore, yeah, like it's unlocked now though, so you can watch it as many times as you want. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, that's you were talking about the five. Okay, you were talking about the five dollar rental. Yeah, the five dollar rental is a twenty four hour. But yeah, once you pay for the the whatever the premium for the movie, it's just unlocked. Oh, so yeah. you could go watch. Did I tell you? I rented I rented Venom, and that movie was weird. I know. I, I know. I, I wrote about a bunch of the Discord. That movie was weird. Did you get to see Venom? I haven't seen Venom. It's weird. As much it's not weird. Like it's not actually weird. It does feel like, you know, a blockbuster film. But, like, from my perspective, trying to figure out what it's trying to do, it's a weird movie. Especially, like, when I consider, like, I, I don't know. Hmm. Like, it, it's a weird movie. So, it, it it's a weird movie. <laughs> I can't really think of it. It, it, it. I'm not really sure if I really care about the sequel or not as a result. Because um, in I some saw, ways. I saw the ending of the sequel. Because some, I don't know, like the ending. Did it already leak? No, somebody had like posted it. Some group posted it on Facebook. I was, and uh, it's not out like, yet, is know. it? I don't know. Is it? I, I saw, don't I don't know. I the sequel's not scene. out. I saw a fight scene where Venom fights Carnage that involved a spaceship that seemed like it was. No, this, that's the first movie. movie. Oh, that is the first movie? There's like a rocket ship trying to go back to the other symbiotes and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. That is the first movie then. I thought that Carnage didn't show up like, until the second movie. Well, but that's not that Carnage. Part? That's why. Ah, that's not Carnage. Okay. Never mind. I saw the ending of the first Spoilers movie. Spoilers for the first movie. Like, <laughs> no, as I said, it's weird. And there's just stuff that like happens. But, like, again, like the Venom, the most interesting possible relationship in that film is that between... Uh, Ed, 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 Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock, yeah, and the Venom Parasite, and then it resolves in the dumbest, like, nonsensical way, where it's like, I care about this planet after all. Why? Because of you, Eddie. Because of you. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. He was just trying. It to actually get, doesn't it, make. It, it doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. Like, it, it, no, it's, it's even worse if you watch the film and you, it's like you consider the last interaction they had, and then this interaction they have where he's saying this. And it's like, dude, 
dude, bro, that, that doesn't make any sense, bro. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, so it's just yeah. one of those, it, it, as I said, like, it's a weird movie. Like it, parts of it were entertaining. Other parts of it were not. So I'm now at this, like, just, but that's again, like where, where for me, I'm trying to figure, like, I don't know if I even care about movies anymore or at least not newer ones. Like, again, like I care about Dune because it's Dune and Dune looks I mean, oh my gosh, I love the visual style of the film, even, like, even of every trailer. The la- the latest trailer actually has me a little scared that they threw too much Marvel-style humor in there. Because the first trailer mm. feels perfect. The first trailer feels great. The second trailer feels like they're trying to be like, there's plenty of yucks in this film. But, oh my goodness, that first trailer. Oh, Dune, Dune, Dune could be so great. And I have faith in the director... Because it turns out Blade Runner 2049 was one of the better movies of the past, like, decade. Ooh, that was a good movie. Blade Runner 2049 was surprisingly good for a movie that has no reason to exist. Um, yeah, So agreed. We've gotten a little off topic, though. So, yeah, we have gone a little long. Um, next time, what do you say? Well, okay, I'm hoping next time will be me and my friend doing I, the Somnium Files. But whether that happens or not, the next time you and I speak, and pot- potentially on Twitch, should it be Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith? Ooh, I think so. That would be good. We should finally good get first, around to that. Especially if we're going to do it live, and like people can like tune into the stream to make fun of us. All right, I'm going to get my notepad and I'm going to see and I'm going to try and do the same approach. I, I might have to re-listen to us talk about Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones because each of those was my approach to be a script doctor and to think about how I would improve. But I think by the third film, that might be a little like too impossible because it is so reliant upon the other two. But we'll see. We'll see what I, what I come away thinking because if I go back... Phantom, because what was your big thing, right? The prequels aren't as bad as people made them out to be. Mm-hmm. And Phantom Menace had salvageable parts. Attack of the Clones had, I think, entertaining moments. Actually, no, if I recall, Enter- Attack of the Clones, I think, bored me more than Phantom Menace. Because Phantom Menace, despite being, I- I'll have to go back and re-listen myself. Because as I said, like, I think Attack of the Clones, I was more bored than I was with Phantom Menace, which is saying something, even though I do think that boredom was in part because Attack of the Clones was more competent, if that makes sense. I'll have to go back. Like, you couldn't, you you can't really hate watch Attack of the Clones, other than the Anakin Padme parts. Other than the Anakin Padme parts, yeah. Like the whole, that's, that's the whole Obi-Wan section is, is right. It's surprisingly competent at you know jedi master going around the galaxy trying to solve a mystery there's some dumb stuff yes i would still hesitate to call it good but anyway anyway um, so next time yes so uh if not i the somnium files the next time revenge of the sith and maybe on twitch so i'll i mean i I don't know how i'll keep you guys i guess keep an eye out twitch.tv slash ramble pack 64 no C in the pack. Um, just 
look it up, check it out, find me, follow me, and you'll get a sense. I try and update the schedule there, even though I wonder if I could set it to notify people of schedule changes. I don't know. That would be nifty if people could see, oh, so-and-so has added this to their schedule. Um, but uh, either way, um, and of course, check out the website, wwwramblepack 64 uh, hope to see and hear from you guys in the future. And I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Have a good night. Have a good night. Thank you.